There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Yes, yes, yes. And it's busy, busy, busy down here at Barasti at the moment. All sorts going on uh, because we are into day two of the Rugby World Cup 2019. It's live in Japan, but packed venues across the UAE uh, with rugby fans out in force watching uh, one of three games today. One's been concluded. We're halfway through another. Uh, well, two have been concluded. We're halfway through the third and final. We'll get onto that one for you in just a few moments' time. Early kickoffs in the Premier League to look forward to as well. That's it within the next 25 minutes. Uh, early kickoff in the Prem in the Championship over in Spain and Italy. There's uh, qualifying for the Singapore Grand Prix a little later on this afternoon. Vitality T20 Blast Finals Day today. We'll have all the details from the semis. NRL AFL semi-finals action for you. Plus all the latest from the NFL. MLB and the FIBA World Cup of Basketball which concluded earlier on this week. You're listening to The Grill, we're live here from Barasta where the game is always on. If you're in the vicinity, do come on down and watch your sport live down here at Barasti. If you can't make it at down, keep it locked here on Dubai Winner 3.8. Keep it locked for the next three hours. Live updates on all the live sport and, of course, your opportunity to join the conversation and have your say. Text us on 4001 at Barasti Beach, at Dubai I 103.8 FM, at Dubai I Sports. Or, of course, stay in touch with all the grill panel throughout. This is The Grill, live from Barasti. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. So who is on the grill panel today? Chris McCarty alongside me. Uh, Mr. Matt, great to have you on board. It's arrived after all the chat, the Rugby World Cup. Very much so, Tom. Yes, a very good afternoon to you. Very good afternoon to our listeners as well. And yes, the Rugby World Cup, it is taking centre stage down here at Barasti. You know me, I love my sport, I love my Rugby World Cup. But where on earth am I going to watch Leicester City against Tottenham Hotspur? <laughs> it kicks off in 24 minutes. Look, it's not that often that Barasti is packed to the rafters down here. Not a single, uh, not a single screen showing any football. That gives you an idea of the impact of the Rugby World Cup. The impact uh, that is being very much appreciated by a man who loves his rugby, loves his sport uh, in all its varieties. It is, of course... The one and only Alex Bruins alongside us as well. Mr. B, good to have you on board. Yeah, listen, it's lovely to be here. It's hard to take my eyes off the screen. This is a very, very exciting game here now. The All Blacks are leading 17-10. There's 25 minutes to go. The, it's really interesting down here at Barasti. Half the crowd is split between All Blacks supporters and box supporters, so there's a fantastic atmosphere. I was even getting nervous walking in here today because <laughs> it was like arriving at the ground. There was this huge sort of Rugby World Cup zone and you walked in through this green walkway and things. I was even excited coming in, so it's been a fantastic fantastic game and I really hope we get a really thrilling conclusion. It's been a fantastic tournament thus far and we will go back uh, over the results in just a few moments time but we've got live rugby on at the moment and a crucial juncture of the match. You've been sat here watching this game throughout Alex. Uh, are New Zealand good for this seven point lead at the moment? Well listen it's been a really, really interesting game just to, uh, to recap on the scoring quickly. Uh, the box dominated at the start. It was like watching a crazy sevens match where the All Blacks kept the ball but kept going back 30, 40, 50 metres. They had one possession. They started on the box 25, they ended on their own 22. So it was crazy to start off with. Uh, Andre Pollard kicked a fantastic field goal from 52 metres to open the scoring, make it 3-0. He then missed a really simple penalty. Richie Mawanga uh, made it 3-all on the 22nd minute. Then the 23rd minute, a mistake from the box. The box made two mistakes from high kicks. Willie LaRue dropped one. Dwayne Vermeulen dropped the other one. They both led to all-black tries in the 20 third minute and the 27th minute one to George Bridge and one to Scott Barrett that made it 17-3 uh, Moanga had another penalty which he missed but at half time it was 17-3 to the All Blacks the box have come back really well in the second half. The box have a very, very strong bench. They've got Snayman on the bench. They've got Herschel Yankees on the bench. They've got uh, Jesse Creel on the bench. It's an incredibly strong bench. And the box at the moment are really coming back into it. Peter Steph de Toy scored a try in the 47th minute, which Andre Bollard converted. So it's 17-10 with, with uh, 23 minutes to go. And this is anybody's game, absolutely anybody's game. Two games already concluded today. As I said, we'll go over those results for you in just a few moments' time. Uh, Chris McCarty, um, myself been out and about uh, flavoring the atmosphere around the UAE uh, over the course of the last few hours 
I'm, I'm loving this, Chris. I mean, we are seeing a whole new crowd, not just down at Barasti, but out and about watching sport. Well, you remarked on it as we walked into Barasti a little earlier today, Tom. Now, we know this place is jam-packed normally for English Premier League football come six o'clock. When we clock off air, this place tends to get a little busier. I haven't seen Barasti this busy probably since the Football World Cup this time last summer. Or I say this time last summer, it was probably, what, 14 months ago now? 14, 15 months ago. It's jam-packed down here. There is many individuals in here, not just fans of the Springbok, not just fans of the All Blacks, fans of rugby are in because they want to be part of something. We saw it in venues around town over the course of the past couple of days. We're seeing it again today. World Cups do this. No matter the sport, World Cups do this. And I'll break away here because Alex Brune. Andre Pollard, a fantastic field goal. Uh, 22 minutes to go. Andre Pollard dropped back into the pocket from about 40 metres, dropped it. There's a big groan went up from the, the box supporters here because they thought, no, he's not going to kick this, but he's put it straight over the black dot. It makes it 17-13 now. The box have just got to hold on to the ball. The All Blacks are getting tired. I've never seen it before. The All Blacks are fading. The box have got to hold on to the ball and they can win this game. We will keep an eye on this game, keep an eye on the crowds as well. Uh, we went out to watch the France against Argentina game a little earlier on. Uh, great to see the French out in force, the Argentinians out in force. The French and the RGs out in force. I think the French maybe just edged it and they edged it on the field as well. What an absolute advert for this World Cup. Yes, I'm told, and I didn't watch it this morning, I'll be very honest. The Australia-Fiji match, a little early for me, you know me, I'm a bit of a late riser. And the Australians got the job done against a very, very good Fiji side. I know, Alex, you were on this very show, what, a month ago now? And you were a worried Aussie. You thought maybe, just maybe, the Fijis, with the Fijians would maybe just have it over the Aussies. But you came strong in that final 20. We did. Listen, uh, Fiji were really, really good. Started incredibly impressively, and they were actually leading at one stage 17-3. Uh, they went right out to a really, really strong lead. But uh, the Wallabies played really good rugby. I've got, to, I've got to credit them. I thought they played some exceptional rugby, and they slowly wore down uh, the Fiji and got on top and won the game in the end, 39 points to 21. But what's been really interesting so far is, of course, Rolling Malls used to be the great uh, boon of the Northern Hemisphere, playing boring <laughs> rugby, 10-man rugby. We've had four Rolling Mall tries so far, two scored by Australia, two scored by Argentina. So boring, boring Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> uh, we also had the opportunity to see the host in action yesterday as well. Great opening ceremony uh, over in Tokyo and uh, to kick things off, Bill Beaumont with his opening address. Uh, and then that's how we're doing. a good game as well to open up. I know I came on for a bit of stick, a lot of people saying it should have been a more high profile game to open it up. But I think that's one of the, be one of the beauties of a Rugby World Cup is that whatever that the two teams that are coming up against each other on paper, there's always drama of some sort. Yeah, listen, I thought it was a fantastic game. Uh, Russia played really, really well, surprisingly well. Got a very, very good flanker who was probably the best player on the field. A good, uh, but uh, everybody thought, I mean, leading into the tournament, they lost to Konor. They got smashed by Konor. They also got smashed by Jersey, who are a, a, a first division side in England. They got smashed by them. So everybody thought it was going to be a, a, a really, really big uh, slaughter for Japan. But Russia played really well, had an early lead, 10-3, and Japan slowly came into it. Japan are going to have to play a lot better than that. If they want to get to the quarterfinals, and that's what everybody is hoping in Japan, they have Samoa to come, they have Ireland and Scotland to come. They're going to have to win two of those matches, unless there's a, a result with Samoa beating Scotland or something. It's good. They've got a really tough, tough draw, Japan, and they're going to have to play a lot better than they were last night. Masushima, though, the winger, three tries, a hat-trick for him, which was fantastic. And yeah. another thing, Tom, that you remarked upon actually earlier today, the crowds. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. I mean, there hasn't been a seat left in the house for any of our first four matches, and that is good for a tournament It is as well. great, and I've been talking to a lot of friends over there. The, the Welsh training session had 15,000 people there. <laughs> 15,000 people turned up to a Wales training session. And also, in all the host cities, the people who live in the host cities have gone out and bought the jerseys of the teams that are there. So the Wallabies are turning up to their training sessions. There's a thousand people there in Wallabies jerseys. I mean, they're just absolutely loving it. And they've got photos of them. They know who the players are. They've done all their research. So they're going, you know, go Samu, go Samu. So to that end, Bruni, and obviously one of the reasons we've seen the World Cup go to Japan for the first time, break, uh, break grounds, break borders, go to a new region for the very first time, was to spread the word of rugby, the ethics of rugby. Will this have an impact not just in Japan, but further afield? 
Listen, I hope so. Um, and also, it's close to Fiji, it's close to Australia, it's close to New Zealand, Samoa and Tonga, etc. I think anybody watching these pictures over in Asia, India is actually a really growing area for rugby. It's really interesting, but world rugby has targeted that as one of their real growth areas. China is a little bit behind it. They haven't really broken into rugby in China. But uh, I think the, you know, anybody seeing these pictures, watching the games, the fields look good. The players are playing. It's really open, exciting rugby because the fields are very well prepared, so they're able to do that. And absolutely, I think anybody watching it at these particular time zones, it's going to convert a lot of a lot of fans to the game. Do send us your thoughts through with regards to all things Rugby World Cup 2019. This is the third and final game on the schedule for today. England get their campaign underway tomorrow. Uh, just going back to this game as well, Alice Brin alongside me. I've been a lot of commentary and just uh, going through some of the um, online commentary at the moment as well about the standard of kicking in this game. The South Africans have not had it great with ball in hand. Listen, the kicking's been dreadful from the box. I, I, I can't remember them kicking so badly in this game. They've put up lots and lots of aimless up and unders. The, first, the, the two all-black tries have come from mistakes, basically. A very, very good kick from Bowden Barrett and Ruchu Mawanga have been kicking a lot better. Went straight up to Willie LaRue, he just dropped it cold. The All Blacks picked up the ball, went through a few hands and, and over goes uh, Bridge for a try. The same for the second, a high kick. Willie LaRue, uh, uh, sorry, Dwayne Vermeulen this time dropped it cold. Anton Leonard-Brown picked up the ball. He beat a, a, tankle, a tackle by Franco Mostert. Very unusual to see Franco Mostert miss a tackle, but he missed a tackle. And uh, Leonard-Brown went through, passed it to Scott Barrett, who scored. So it's, uh, the kicking's been very, very poor from South Africa, and they have to stop kicking so badly or they're going to lose this game. And it's, it's very, very interesting, too. The All Blacks have just started to get on top in the scrum. They've won a scrum. They almost had a scrum penalty. And it's two scrums they've won this half. So, But it's mistakes that are going to decide this and who is, reacts to the best pressure. It is a penalty to the, to the All Blacks. And this may be a kick for gold, which could make it 20 to 13. 15 minutes remaining in this game. We'll keep an eye on that one for you, as we will throughout the entire tournament uh, on all the games that we're looking forward to. Another little observation from me, Chris, is that, you know, we talked a lot about this tournament and the build-up too. There's always a lot of chat, always talking the talk before the actual walking gets underway on the pitch itself. Um, what we have seen, though, is whilst every single game has had a subplot and there's been the potential of an upset there, it is the sort of on-paper favourites who've come yeah. through and won. Yeah, absolutely. I was expecting, I'll be very honest, I sat here on this very show last week. I actually tipped up the RGs to finish second behind England in their pool. France getting the victory. And I've got to say, over the piece, I was rooting on the RGs. They came back into it. Ledesma clearly tore into his boys at half-time because, what was it, 23 at the break. They were being Argentina slaughtered. just weren't, they were being, as you rightly said there, Bruni, they were being slaughtered. They weren't at the races. They came out, they were ferocious. They were everything that you expect from an Argentinian Puma side in that second half. And then emotions. I don't want to generalise, but I'm about to. <laughs> because the Gaelics and the Latins, they get a little emotional. Yes. We saw the French miss an absolute dolly of a penalty. Yeah. Then we saw, and I was screaming at you, was I not? RG's got a penalty two and a half minutes from the end. And I was saying to you, listen, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Kick to touch. Get a line out. Use up that two and a half minutes. I'm talking, and Bruni's laughing now. It's all easy to say all of these <laughs> things, of course. You're, you're throwing in variables. Get a line out. And we saw Scotland four years ago. They got a line out all wrong yes, against absolutely. the Aussies in the quarterfinals. But I was screaming to you to say, I tell you what here, kick for touch, line out, set it up, drop goal. And Bruni's laughing, and he's right to probably laugh because you're throwing in two or three variables there. They went for the penalty, but it was almost on the halfway line. It was. It was a long kick, and a I very, very long kick. Richie Mawanga, he's kicked, he's it, kicked it, drilled the penalty. It's 20 to 13 now to the All Blacks. 14 minutes to go. The, the box have got to kick the ball in hand. If they keep kicking away so aimlessly at the moment, they're going to lose this game. They've got to have faith that they're fitter and they're stronger, yeah. and they might just get through and win this game. But if they keep playing this way, the, the All Blacks will win this match. But what did I say to you, going back to Argentina-France? I said, I'm worried about emotions yeah. here. And what did he do, the kicker? He dragged it. Yeah. He just, it, it looked to me as if the moment got to him a little bit. Difficult call. I think you could read a lot into the expressions on the, uh, from the management, the Argentinian yeah. management. When you saw the decision that had been taken on field, you looked at the pictures coming from the management box, and there are lots of hands in, uh, heads, heads in hands, etc., as if they'd made the wrong decision on that one. And yet, having said that, when you look at the kick itself, they had the legs, yeah. they had the range, etc., and it was just a matter of inches uh, drifting away from it. So 
a difficult one, but I sort of see your point. With three minutes still to go, hold on to that ball. Well, you're saying about this game, possession, holding yeah. on to possession. Listen, I think it was a very, very ambitious kick, and I agree with you totally. If you go down there, hold the ball, especially because they'd scored tries from two rolling malls. So why not go for a third? Uh, and also, very, very good likelihood of going for the third and getting a penalty yeah. if you don't get a try, and then the kick's from a lot closer. So I've got to agree with you totally. Don't get me wrong, it was a great advert, it was a great match, we yeah. enjoyed it. No, it was a good, uh, as they've all been, they've all been great matches thus far in the tournament. So we'll just see the beast come on for uh, South Africa. They trail by seven, they need a converted try to get back onto uh, level peggings here with around about 30 minutes left in this game. We take a short break, when we come back, we'll give you some team news ahead of the early kickoff in the Premier League. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. Let's get a quick score update from the Rugby World Cup. Alex Bruins watching the final game of day, final game of day two uh, of the Rugby World Cup. It is well, one of the most anticipated games of the tournament. New Zealand against South Africa. And the score here now with just 10 minutes to go. The All Blacks 20, Springboks 13. It's still very, very much in the balance in this game in Yokohama, but at the moment, the box just can't seem to make any good use of the ball that they've got, and it looks like at this stage the All Blacks will hold on, but anything can happen in the last 10 minutes. Singapore Grand Prix tomorrow for Ari's Charles Leclerc was the surprise pace setter over in Singapore in the third and final round of uh, practice a little earlier on today after struggling yesterday and on track in which Ferrari did not expect to be competitive. Leclerc was fastest from Lewis Hamilton by 0.207 seconds. Mercedes driver was well clear of the second Ferrari of Seb Vettel who was 0.619 seconds behind his teammate. That's what's happening in the uh, world of uh, Formula One at the moment. We'll give you updates, uh, live updates from the T20 uh, finals, the Vidality Blast, which uh, semi-finals has taken place at the moment. Two semi-finals followed by the final on finals day. But what about the football? Let's get uh, some news update with regards to team selection ahead of the early kickoff in the Premier League, which sees Leicester taking on Tottenham. Yeah, indeed, Tom. It's sixth versus fourth. Both of these sides on eight points after five games this campaign. Two wins, two draws, and a solitary defeat. I can tell you, Leicester City looking to bounce back from that 1-0 defeat last weekend at Old Trafford to Manchester United. Their side is as follows. And a couple of changes, interestingly enough, from Brendan Rodgers. Kasper Schmeichel starts in goals. As usual, a back four. And this now, to me, looks a settled back four. Pereira, Evans, Sonchu and Ben Chilwell in at left back. A man who I feel is undoubtedly England's number one choice moving forward in that position. Wilfred Ndidi will anchor the midfield alongside Yuri Tielemans and James Madison brought in centrally for this match. So a bit of a change of formation I feel for Brendan Rodgers. Probably looking more at a 4-2-3-1. Ndidi and Tielemans, Madison in at number 10 and then he started today. Harvey Barnes on the left, Ayozo Perez on the right and of course the little Duracell battery himself, Jamie Vardy up front. Never stops running, perpetual motion. He'll look to get back among the goals against the Spurs side lest we forget coming back from Greece late on Wednesday evening early hours of Thursday morning this is a quick turnaround for Mauricio Pochettino and his side interestingly enough as well there must be an injury to Hugo Lloris because Paulo Gazianga starts in goal Serge Aurier right back Danny Rose left back Young Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld the centre half pairing it looks to me a real mobile central midfield trio of Musa Sissoko, Harry Winks and Tangoy and Dombelli, the big brand new signing from Lyon. He is he brings energy, he brings verve to that midfield, does the Frenchman, and then it's a front three. Harry Kane leading the line, and he will be flanked either side by Hyungmin Son and Eric Lamella. This is, make no mistake about it, if you are a Spurs fan, this is a potential banana skin. Given the fact that Champions League is back. I've got a fancy that Leicester will take something from this one. I really do. The kickoff is in seven minutes. We've got eight minutes left in the rugby. You can do the maths yourself. We should miss the first two minutes, but I will be imploring the Barasti staff. I want Leicester Tottenham on this big screen at about 32 minutes past. You, you're against 400 rugby fans. <laughs> yes, we'll be asking for a direct replay of the box versus the All Blacks. 
Uh, we've just had uh, another point-scoring opportunity in the rugby. Alex was watching that for us. Yeah, listen, it's a, there's been some contentious uh, decisions in this match, and as uh, Rusty Erasmus, I must say, was commenting this week, most of these decisions do seem to go the way of the All Blacks, and uh, this decision went in the way of the All Blacks. Bowden Barrett stepped up and kicked a very, very simple penalty goal to make it 23-13. So it, it's 10, 10 points in front to the All Blacks now. There's only about seven and a half minutes remaining. The box are going to have to be something special now to win this game. But Herschel Yankees is on. He usually brings something. He usually scores a try at the end for South Africa. He did it earlier this year to draw the match, but the box now need 10 points in just seven and a half minutes. It's done. They will not get 10 points against the All Blacks in seven minutes. Strange things happen in rugby. Not against the All Blacks. Now let's go back to our feature game in the Premier League. Uh, Tottenham against Spurs. A lot of respect between the two managers. Massive respect between the two managers. Interestingly enough, though, Tom, as I said, a lot riding on this one for many reasons. Start of the season, Spurs looking to close the gap on Liverpool. The intriguing aspect on this, though, a trip to Greece on Wednesday evening. The early kickoff comes Saturday afternoon for Spurs. Mauricio Pochettino asked in the build-up of this one, what do you do with the limited hours that you've got in order to prepare your side for what promises to be a big clash in the English Premier League? No, we need to recover it. We need to take the best decision. It's not going to be excused. That is why we have a, a big squad. The player that feel fresh, some player uh, is going to repeat it. Some player struggle to, to repeat or struggle to, to recover from the, from the travel from, from Greece. Uh, is going to rest, but um, the most important that is not excuse. I think we are going to arrive in a very good condition on Saturday morning and be ready to, to fight again Leicester. That is going to be another tough game. Do you have any time to do like tactical work or anything? And, 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 and I, just, I don't know how it no, it's, it's about to sleep and recovery now. Uh, the, the players that were here um, were training now, but um, tomorrow is 24 hours before the game. Is uh, only the most uh, important uh, session is going to to recover well and sleep and good uh, nutrition and and of course and be ready again with uh, with energy to to fight again another a very good team like Leicester. We're in the middle of a of a, of a run of games and um, obviously you're, you're going to change the squad around. We know that it's interesting. You change the fullbacks um, and you do that a lot. Is that the the most physically demanding position in the team to keep playing, keep playing, keep no, playing? It depends on the characteristics of the player. Some players need to rest, another not. It's not because of the position or specific position. I think it depends on our assessment and, and how the, the player need to deal with the effort. No, it's not uh, because of the position. Looking at Leicester, Brendan's in there now and uh, doing a good job. What do you think? Yes, of, Leicester. of course. Uh, Leicester uh, is a, a very good team. Um, after to to win the Premier League, um, they rebuild um, the team. Uh, today is a different, complete uh, squad, and um, and of course with a new mentality, new manager, great manager like uh, Brendan Rodgers, and uh, that is why it's going to be tough. I mean, many people are talking, as it, you know, about Leicester as a, as a challenger for top six, even even top four. So, so, how important does it make this game at Leicester on Saturday? At the moment, it's, it's so early to start to talk about which teams are going to be there. Uh, but, but of course, the squad of Leicester um, is so good, and, and of course, with a great manager, for sure that they're going to be um, in a good position on the end of the season but uh, at the moment it's so early to start to talk about contender to be on the top four and the top six Borussia Pochettino there talking about his Spurs team question to you though I mean I know a lot's made about recovery times and yet scheduling not ideal early kick off in the Premier League having played midweek uh, in the Champions League but you know it's only Greece it's not like it's, yeah. it's, it's around the other the, the side of the world or anything is it <laughs> yeah absolutely but what, right. what, but what is it I mean yeah okay you play 90 minutes you've got to come back you've got to recover and obviously there's a bit of time in the air and, and that would add to the recovery but what they travel I mean do they travel on their own flight or do they go commercial flights or? Com commercial flight it, it, it largely depends they would have been I would imagine Spurs being a, as big a club as they are it would have been a commercial flight they may have even had the reporters the journalists up the back of the plane I know for example where were Man City this past week? They were in Donetsk, weren't they? They were over in Ukraine, Kiev it was. I think Shakhtar Donetsk are still playing out of 
Donetsk, if memory serves. But they were travelling. Either way, they were travelling to the Ukraine. And a couple of supporters who are members of the Abu Dhabi Supporters Club, lo and behold, were actually on the plane that the Man City boys were on. Yes, really? so they were posting Kyle Walker was coming down. He was acting as the steward for half an hour of the flight. So the players are at least having a bit of fun with a real, and I call them hardcore fans. These are fans that any disposable income that they have goes on flights, travel, and going and supporting their club but they, all around the well Europe. They, they're chartering that flight, are they? The, the yeah, club are chartering so that Man flight. Man City, I would imagine, would have chartered that flight and opened it up to actually some of their fans to, to they, come on board. They with must them. be the only two hardcore Man City fans. <laughs> there ain't many, Alex. There ain't many, but on that occasion, a few were making the trip over there. It is interesting. I know that there are certain Royals are getting in trouble for, for using private jets and private flights at the moment uh, given their roles and their some of their campaigns but it is interesting given the if you are one of those champion leagues team and if you are you know that the the yards you're being asked to put in the travel you're being asked to put in during uh, a season and during a campaign would it not pay to have a club plane some some clubs do and I, I know some clubs will charter a plane Manchester United, for example, charter planes. There ain't many, and I can't think of many. Obviously, Emirates will brand up, for the, in the case of Arsenal, in the case of Real Madrid, you'll get a branded up plane, etc., to bring you there. And it's all about comfort. You know, what is Greece from the UK? Four hours? Four and a half hours? They won't have stayed overnight. I would imagine what they would have done is they would have headed, they were at Olympiakos, so they were in Athens, they would have finished up, they would have done their media du uh, duties, and then they would have boarded the coach straight to the airport, get them home, and then I would imagine Maurizio would have had the boys in for lunchtime on the Thursday, a little rub, a little warm down, and then a little bit of probably video footage, just looking at Leicester's strengths and weaknesses, and a bit of shaping come, thir uh, come Friday, sorry, and that's about it. And that's what I mean about preparation. Brendan Rogers, a man that is hugely intensive in detail, someone that doesn't, you know, the very minutiae of football he is studying. He has had the week to study Spurs. Less, uh, in the case of Spurs, they've had 48 hours less than to look at Leicester City and their strengths. But that is the beauty of the Premier League. That is the beauty of being in European football. It tests you. And with the money that has been lavished on these squads, Maurizio Pochettino has a squad to call upon. We call it, it's not an 11 or 14 players or 15 players. It's squads of 21, 22, 23. He's had to shuffle the pack today. He's done that. And when you bring your record signing in Dombelli into the mix, you're bringing, OK, a decent keeper in Gazianga. He's no Hugo Lloris, but he's still very good. You're bringing Serge Aurier into the mix as well. That's what you need to do in this English Premier League. Make no mistake about it, Spurs will be ready. What I do expect from Leicester, knowing Brendan as I do, expect a fast start. They will be in Spurs' faces and they will be letting them know they have got 90 minutes of hard graft to go if they're going to get the three points. I, I actually thought Leicester were quite poor against Manchester they United. Were. They I were. Agree. There wasn't, and I was very interested to watch Brendan Rodgers on the sideline. He was very low-key, very mild-mannered as the sort of game ticked down. There didn't seem to be a lot of urgency. I, he was almost like, oh, okay, one nil's no, not so bad. But I was disappointed by Leicester. Yeah, I, was, I was massively, uh, Alex. I wouldn't disagree with that. I expected Leicester to actually be a little tougher mm. Manchester United huffed and puffed. There were certainly some edgy moments in the final 15 minutes, but I'm like you. I expected Leicester to be a little bit of a kind of Jamie Vardy to set the tone, to be buzzsaws all around the pitch. It wasn't like that. No. Manchester United were relatively comfortable, exactly. certainly, I agree. for I the agree. first 75 minutes or so. I think Brenda's looking for a reaction today. Don't, don't, you know, you can bet your life that in that dressing room, probably right about, well, it's four minutes old, so not right about now. Ten minutes or so ago, he would have been saying, listen, let's test this Spurs team. They've got miles in the legs. Let's test them in this first 15 minutes. We get off to a quick start. We've got a chance, an early goal, and all of a sudden you feel those legs a little bit more in Spurs' case. So I'm looking forward to this one. I can tell you what are we, three minutes gone at the King Power Stadium. It remains Leicester nil, Spurs nil. I'll keep an eye on this one, and fingers crossed we get it on the big screen, which means I can watch it and I can enjoy myself this afternoon. That will be on in a few moments. So there's also uh, the small matter of Leeds Derby. We'll talk about that in a few moments' time. But we're into the final minute of regulation time in the final game at the Rugby World Cup today. Alex? Yeah, listen, this is going to go for the All Blacks. It's, uh, time is nearly up now. The All Blacks up 23-13. There's just been two decisive elements in this game. The All Blacks have just been slightly more precise at the breakdown. 
Uh, I mean, all of us here basically watching the game, we would have seen a lot of breakdowns, a lot of breakdown penalties. Some, it seems that the All Blacks are just getting the edge there. Uh, the same thing seems to be happening, but the All Blacks are getting penalised, the box are getting the ball. When it's turned around, it doesn't happen the other way. So the All Blacks have just been a little bit more precise at the back breakdown. Andre Pollard has had a poor game, one of the poorest games I've seen Andre play in a long time, actually. So I think that was a deciding factor. The box kicking was very, very poor. That's the box kicking, not the box kicking, was very, very poor. Or the box box kicking was very, very poor, <laughs> put it that way. Uh, so their kicking was very poor. The All Blacks just caught the ball better. They protected their catcher a little bit better. They were better in that phase of the play. So that's been the only real difference in this match in the end. The box have fought hard. They've tackled well. All Blacks defense has been very good. But the All Black, the box had a chance. With about 20 minutes to go, the All Blacks were clearly tiring. And the All Blacks, the, the box really had a chance to win this game. And they just lost it. So they just let it slip away. So that's the, a uh, it probably sums it up perfectly. Uh, uh, a drop ball by Mapipi has ended the game. It's ended up with the All Blacks 23 to the box 13. The box should still go through the quarterfinal. You can hear in the background probably the applause for the match. And a good win for the All Blacks, a well-deserved game. Good word on the uh, the right wing for um, uh, for South Africa, Colby, uh, who's had a massive impact on the game uh, domestically back in South Africa since he came into the fold. Uh, I was doing an event with Lewis Moody uh, this time last week uh, around town, and he, he was asked during one of these Q&As about players to watch for the tournament. Colby was his pick. Absolutely. Chessie's unbelievable. Chessie started across at Western Province, and he also started in the Box 7s team. But the thing about Chessie, he's been playing overseas in Europe, um, but they've called him back to the box to play in the All Blacks. Sorry, in the, in the World Cup. The most amazing thing about Cheslin and what the other players talk about is because he's so small, he's really hard to tackle because it's a very small area. Well, you can't, of course, go near the shoulders or the chest because you're going to give him a high shot. And, you know, if he steps inside you, you throw out an arm like a Sam Whitelock holds out, throws out an arm. It hits Chessy in the head and Whitelock's off. So they're very, very cautious with me and find him very hard to tackle. It's like a lot of the Aussie bowlers used to talk about. They found Brian Lara really hard to bowl at because he was really small. Yeah. And they, they couldn't kind of, you know, they'd sort of pitch it on a normal length and he just hit him over the fence. So it's an amazing thing. Chessy, though, he was probably the box best player, made a magnificent run with a few minutes to go he almost scored a try to get the box back in it he was struggling with a bit of a knee twinge there i hope he's going to be okay but i agree with you i think he's going to be the one one of the most exciting players in the tournament uh, a couple of others that we've had the opportunity to see over the last few days i thought the uh, the winger for uh, japan that scored all the tries uh, matsushima, matsushima yeah, was great uh, outstanding player i thought the french fiku played very well as yeah. well early he, on he's today. very exciting he played had a really really good six nations gal fiku he played really really well he's very dangerous out there he gives them the french something a little bit extra and he also links up very well with maxime medard so there's a good uh, combination between those two but he does i agree with gal fiku he gives something the, the most exciting player probably was Giselle Pato, who was uh, Pato, uh, yeah, he, who had a fantastic game for Fiji. Uh, he went off with a concussion, though, but he destroyed the Wallabies in the first 15, 20 minutes. He scored a try, brilliant, uh, brilliant Fiji try from their own quarter, a couple of minute change. Uh, Pato got the ball and ran sort of 60 yards to score, and he's a flanker, but he was really, really exciting as well. So there's been some great players, and I think it's a great thing about the World Cup to see those exciting players come through. Two days in, and potentially two sightings as well. Um, referees have obviously been given a very stern talking to before this about certain rules that the that World Rugby want to see implemented. Uh, we haven't heard the, uh, the sightings as yet, but according to uh, those watching the games, there will be a sighting from the uh, Japan-Russia game for a tackle with no arms on one yeah. of the uh, Russian uh, midfielders. And again, the man that you've just been talking about there who went off for a, a concussion test. Reese, uh, who was uh, the, the tackler at the time? It was, the uh, it was Reese Hodge. Reese Hodge, Hodge yes. Yeah. And I agree. When that one happened during the match, I was surprised. What's really interesting been so far is that they don't seem to be stopping the game to review decisions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's, of course, if we watch Super Rugby, if we watch the Six Nations or even the Rugby Championship, they say, stop everything, okay, let's get it up on the screen and let's have a look, and everything stops for two or three minutes while they watch the game. Now, they've obviously been told, listen, we have a broadcast window for these matches. We need to keep the game in the broadcast window. We can't have these long stoppages of two or three minutes where anybody, everybody in the US is going to turn off. You know, everybody maybe in India is going to turn off, so we can't have it. So obviously what they're doing is letting things go that they normally wouldn't go, and reach Hodge might have been yellow carded if that was rugby championship or if that was super rugby but because they just wanted to let the game keep flowing he's now going to be uh, uh, he's going to be in the judiciary and maybe he's going to face a, a suspension now which is more difficult but it's interesting they 
I think they've been told the refs, let it flow. Just let the game flow. We don't want to see stoppages. We well, just want the game to thing. flow. That's a it's, good thing. Yeah, of course it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But what it means is like, such as uh, in the Australia-Fiji game, Fiji got uh, away with a lot of the breakdown because Ben O'Keefe was refing and he just let things go a bit. And in this game too, I know I'm coming from a box side. I speak with an Australian accent, but I lived in South Africa for five years and was lucky enough to work with the Springboks during that time. So I'm a little bit, my, my heart is still a little green shaded. <laughs> That's a little bit of a green shade, my heart. And, and I must say that I thought the All Blacks got away with a lot in that game at the breakdown. But most All Black supporters would just say Adi Savia had a fantastic game. But yeah. is, is, is that not just a recurring theme? I mean, a lot of people will go, hang on, please, Sashansh, you know, uh, New Zealand have been doing that very well since time immemorial, haven't they? Well, it, it's almost like they seem to understand the rule a little bit differently than everybody else. It's almost like they just seem to understand. They know when to go in and when not to go in, and they know to when to get in. Like, you would have watched that game, when you see the box at a number of breakdowns, they've got in there and they've got the ball on it, their hands on the ball, you say, OK, that's a penalty, but it's not. The All Blacks do this, exactly the same thing at the next ruck, and suddenly it is a penalty to the All Blacks. So they just have that, as Steve Hansen talks about, it's the precision at the breakdown. The All Blacks talk about that a lot. The precision of the breakdown. I was talking to Richie McCaw a couple of weeks ago, and what he said was the difference between winning a World Cup and not winning a World Cup is the execution of a couple of skills in high-pressure moments. And that's what it comes down to. One pass, one breakdown, one tackle, one clean out. And that's what the All Blacks seem to be so good at. So they were very, very good. I don't know, though, if England watching this game is saying they can't be beaten. I think if England were watching this game, if Eddie Jones was watching that game, he's, he's, he's going to see that window about 50 minutes where the All Blacks look tired. He said, no, we can beat these guys. Curry, Underhill, we can run through these guys. Maro Atoche, we've got the players to do it. So I think England, after watching that game, maybe even Ireland can think, no, we can get over the top of these guys. They'll obviously get their opportunity to uh, nail their colours to the mask uh, tomorrow. England against Tonga at 245? Yes, 145. 145. 145 tomorrow. So obviously we'll have uh, all the details right here on Dubai I-103.8. Uh, we're underway in the Premier League. In the championship, from uh, two of the teams with two of the high-profile managers, isn't it? Philip Cocu and Marcelo Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa. You're yeah. absolutely right, and I can tell you, it is Philip Cocu that's coming into this match today. It is Leeds United taking on Derby County at Ellen Road. It's Philip Cocu that's coming in with the most questions being asked because they've had a bit of a, a wretched start. In all honesty, down in 19th place are the Rams, seven points from seven games. They start the day nine points behind the league leaders in Leeds United and we know the championship is dog eat dog. I have said numerous times on this very show, I believe, and I stick by this, that it is the most competitive league in world football. It is two wins, your relegation fodder, two, two losses, sorry, your relegation fodder, two wins and you're on the cusp of the playoffs and then some. And today is a must win for Derby County. I said at the time, I wondered whether Philip Cocu was the right man for Derby. I know it's easy to say that now, seven games in. You've got to give the man time. He had a wretched spell at Fenerbahce down in Turkey. Yes, OK, he won the Eredivisie with PSV Eindhoven. Take him out of his comfort zone, take him out of his homeland. He struggled badly in Turkey. And everyone that I've spoken to that followed him closely down there said that he got an awful thing, a, a lot of things wrong off the field. Derby County following on from Frank Lampard, following on from Jody Morris, who two characters that were hugely popular at that football club. He has struggled to implement the total football quote unquote kind of idea, the methodology with which served them so well at PSV Eindhoven. It will take time, granted. This is a big test today. This may well be the galvanizing. This could be the catalyst for Derby County moving forward. I can tell you though, in the early stages of this one, 12 minutes gone at Ellen Road, it does remain Leeds United nil, Derby nil. Interestingly enough as well, the last time that Leeds did play in the league game at Ellen Road, they were beaten by Swansea City, who frustrated them for large parts. Yes, they rode their luck, but Wayne Routledge, who stepped off the bench late on, it was he that would get a late winner for Swansea. So Derby County, I'm sure the message from Philip Cuckoo today is, keep things tight, stay compact, limit the space between defence and midfield, frustrate leads, and the longer this game goes, we give ourselves a chance. I can tell you, though, 12 minutes on the clock, it does remain Leeds nil, Derby nil. Talking, Chris, about emotion, I think Leeds are a club that do succumb to emotion. Yeah. They do succumb to emotion. Uh, uh, I 
go to the Dubai Reds fan club and we share it with the Leeds supporters there and you can see they're a very, very emotional bunch of supporters and it's like that in the club and it's the composure. Composure is so important in the key moments in big sporting events, which has been, we've seen it at the Rugby World Cup already, but holding that composure is so important. 100% Marcelo Bielsa, of course, an Argentine, a proud Argentine. We saw last season the effects of what is essentially a 40, what is there, 24 teams, it's a 46 game season. It caught up with the Leeds in that final six games. I've got to be very honest and very frank and say, however, I don't think this is a vintage championship this season. I look through, I like Brentford. I think Brentford have had a slow start. I think they'll come through. Uh, Swansea, under Steve Cooper, replaced Graham Potter. They've started well, but you go through it. Fulham on paper, I think they've got a squad to rival Leeds. Scott Park, however, one or two question marks over a man, still in his kind of early stage of his managerial career. I don't think this is a vintage championship. I do think, and I'll go on record as saying this, this is Leeds United's year. I will be staggered if they're not an English Premier League club this time next season. Well, it'll be great to hear, but also Chris McCarty has got on record saying it's Liverpool's year a number of times, and it hasn't been. You know why I do that, though, Alex? That's just a jinx it. That's why I'm saying once again, it's <laughs> Liverpool's year. Well, I hope I hope that he hasn't jinxed Leeds. And I think Leeds have worked incredibly hard over the last few seasons, and if anybody deserves to be back up in the Premier League, it is Leeds, They are a, a doubt. Premier League club. I mean, I hate to say that as a United fan, of mm. course, but listen, taking my United red cap off Leeds United are a Premier League club in everything but division right now and what I would say under Marcelo Bielsa if they and I do expect them to come up this season they are going to scare some of the big boys their way of playing and their system suits the Premier League more than it suits the Championship also got an early kickoff over in Spain as well Spanish Liga no goals in that one 41 minutes played uh, down there it's Villarreal hosting Real Valladolid uh, and Valladolid a little bit of trivia yeah well uh, let's put this one out there I tell you what we'll tease this one Tommy we'll put it out there on 4001 I know we've got many listeners tuned in anyone without googling because I know you little rascals out there love to google or Yahoo or Bing but let me know who owns Real Valladolid and I will give you a clue he is arguably the best number nine that the world of football has ever seen if you know the answer to that, please do text it into us on 4001. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, more reaction to today's rugby. We'll tell you what's going on in Singapore. All the latest from the T20 Blast Finals Day. And, of course, two early kickoffs over in England, one in Spain as well. Details next. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Uh, right, we'll go back to the rugby in a few moments' time and recap on today's action, but we've got to go to the Premier League. Drama in the first 18 minutes of this game. Certainly is. King Power Stadium, Leicester taking on Tottenham. It has been fast, it has been frenetic, it has been everything that I thought Leicester City would bring to the party this afternoon against the Spurs side who, as we discussed a little earlier today, were in Greece on Wednesday evening. I can tell you that Leicester thought they had the lead in this match. Wilfred and Didi it was who stuck the ball in the net. That was after a Yuri Tielemann shot had been spilled by Hugo Lloris' deputant, Paulo Gazaniga, in the goal. Two Leicester players coming running in. It was eventually poked home by Wilfred Ndidi, but that pesky VAR, it's got involved once again, and it has clearly showed that Wilfred Ndidi was offside as Yuri Tielemann struck the shot. So the goal has rightly been ruled out offside. It's just taken the wind a little bit out of the Leicester sail. Spurs are trying to get back into this one. They're trying to get their foot on the ball. They're just trying to slow the pace down in these early exchanges. I can tell you, however, 20 minutes gone at the King Power Stadium. It remains Leicester nil, Tottenham nil. What's going on in the T20 Blast? Well, all sorts. It is finals day in the T20 Blast. First semi-final sees Notts Outlaws taking on the Worcestershire Rapids. Uh, Worcestershire scoring 147 for the loss of nine wickets from their 20 overs. Notts have made a fast start. They're 44 without loss from five. They need 104 more runs to win from 15 overs in the first of the two uh, semi-finals. Derbyshire against uh, Essex. That's the Falcons against the Eagles. It's straight after that. And then, of course, the final a little later on. 9.45 local time here in the UAE uh, for that T20 Blast final. Uh, no goals to report from the... Uh, 
uh, from the uh, from the, uh, the the championship as yet, or of course over in Spain. No, nothing. It is remains Leeds United nil, Derby nil. In fact, <laughs> famous last words, Tom. We've got to go. The first of the day, and I can tell you, it has come at Elland Road. We've got a goal. Benji got there eventually as well. I can tell you, Leeds United won. Derby nil. 20 minutes on the clock. We're still awaiting the goal scorer on this one. I said a little earlier, Leeds currently top of the championship. 16 points. Derby all the way down in 19th place. They've just picked up a point per game this campaign. Seven games played, seven points. We've got an opening goal scorer and in actual fact to rub extra salt into the wounds of Derby County. It's an own goal and it's an own goal by the former man who was on loan at Aberdeen Football Club last season up in Scotland. Max Lowe being asked to play right back today in the absence of names escaped me Joe Bogle it is the uh, right back at Jay Bogle it is who I've got no doubt will become an English Premier League football player without long he is injured Max Lowe has switched from left back his usual position to right back he has scored an own goal he has put Leeds United in front then 20 minutes gone in this one it could be a long afternoon for Philippe Cocu and the Rams Leeds United 1 Derby nil. We keep an eye on that one for you and of course reflecting on the rugby from earlier today three games have been concluded it was an early start for Alex Brune watched all three Al? I did yeah uh, including also the match last night too Japan beating Russia 30 to 10 uh, the Australia Fiji game was a tremendous game uh, really fantastic match of rugby Fiji were fantastic early on but they just tired the spring the Wallabies really just uh, just took them out of the game with really really solid defensive work they were very very good at the, at the set plays uh, Loto made a big difference when he came on, so they won 39-21. France-Argentina, fantastic match, won by uh, uh, a field goal. It was very, very important for Camille Lopez, but they held on to 123-21. And then we've just seen the All Blacks in, a, in Springboks, a very, very hard-fought match, but the All Blacks in the end coming out winners and worthy winners, 23-13. Uh, that's what's been going on today at the Rugby World Cup. Uh, but of course, it is uh, going to be action uh, stations for the next six weeks or so. Lots to look forward to in the world of rugby uh, with Ireland taking on Scotland first thing tomorrow. Uh, sorry, not first thing, second game that is at 11.45. Italy against Namibia is up uh, before that one. That one's starting at 9.15 local time here in the UAE. And then England get their campaign underway at quarter past one. Uh, sorry, quarter past two quarter past tomorrow two. afternoon against Tonga. Don't know much about Namibia. Listen, Namibia will be tough. I mean, there's some teams, uh, you know, you've got the top tier teams, then you've got the second uh, nation teams. But Namibia have a good side. They uh, have put in some pretty good records. They're, they're clearly the second best team in Africa after South Africa. There's not much doubt about that. It's their uh, third or fourth World Cup in a row now. And they're very solid. They've got some big abrasive forwards. And they will give a good account of themselves. I, I expect Italy to win, but it won't, be, it won't be a runaway. It won't be 50 or 60 points. It'll be closer than that. What do we know about the growth in these countries, Alex? Because, listen, I don't want to be disrespectful. It's a World Cup, for goodness sake. We celebrate the fact that they're there. But do they remain the whipping boys of the big guns? Are steps being taken? Are we moving forward for these also... I don't want to say also rants. I don't want to be that disrespectful. I think, I think I can call them minnows. Are steps being made to whereby we can look at the next three, four World Cups where they are that much more competitive? Well, I mean, that's the great goal of rugby. The great goal of rugby is that at a World Cup, you've got 20 teams that, you know, maybe 14 or 16 of them can win the World Cup. That's what you would hope. But sadly, the division of anything is growing greater. Uh, if you go back many, many years, or back in the amateur era, of course, you used to get big upsets, Samoa beating Wales. Uh, you know, Fiji made the quarterfinal in an early World Cup. Samoa made the, the quarterfinals twice. But, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen a minnow in the World Cup, in the World Cup quarterfinals. So if anything, in the professional era, due to money and due to finances, we've seen the big teams get stronger and the small teams get weaker because what happens is the smaller teams are losing all the best players. Like, of course, it was really interesting. The two last try scorers for Australia against Fiji today were both Fijian. Samu Karevi scored a key try and then Marika Korobeti went over and scored a key try. And they're both Fijian. If the Fijian Rugby Union had more money, if they had a stronger domestic league, they'd still be playing in Fiji and who knows, the result might have been different. So this is a real problem for World Rugby and I don't know what they're going to do. They wanted to try and 
change the balance by bringing in this uh, world competition, this Nations League, basically, with the top 12 teams playing off every year. And then that will lead to Fiji getting a huge injection of cash and maybe these teams becoming stronger. But in the end, that was scotched by, guess who? Ireland and Scotland, because they were worried about these teams getting stronger and them losing their place at the top table. So, I mean, I can understand Ireland and the Scots, and I, I love Ireland and Scots, and congratulations to what Irish rugby has done over the recent times, and Grigor Townsend has done a great job in Scotland. But it's a real challenge, and it's not getting any better. I was really worried coming into this Rugby World Cup there's going to be all these massive blowouts. So I really hope that we don't see score wins of 80, 90, 100 points. And Russia, you know, to their credit, played really well. Uruguay, you're going to get some dangerous... Uruguay is going to have some really, really tough matches. And also, it's a very, very uneven group for the box and the All Blacks. The All Blacks play Namibia, and they play Canada. And Canada, if anything, are a much weaker nation than they were, say, back in 1995 when they had a golden era of Canadian rugby. So they're actually a much weaker side. Also, Italy, really, are just teetering on the brink of Tier 1, Tier 2. So, you know, you could see the Box and the All Blacks win their next three games by 50, 60 points. Oh. And just before the World Cup, the All Blacks almost beat Tonga by 100. It's going to be really interesting as well. It's going to be interesting mm. to see how America uh, go in the World Cup. Because we've seen such giant strides by America in the sevens format. Absolutely. But they haven't sort of kept pace in the fifteens format. Well, the real interest there, of course, for the Americans is the Olympics. So because sevens rugby is an Olympic sport, there's a lot of money going into sevens rugby. It's not not so much money is going into the 15-man game. There is now Major League Rugby, uh, which is getting a bit of a following and is doing quite well, and that's bringing a bit of interest to the sport. But in the USA used to be behind Canada and they're now comfortably ahead of Canada and also they did have a fantastic result Gary Gold is there doing the coaching now as a South African coach used to work with Russi Erasmus they had a fantastic result where they beat Scotland a year ago which was a magnificent result in June but they're not I wouldn't expect the USA to do so well at this tournament I think the great hope for a tier one team coming sorry tier two team coming through is Japan but uh, Japan uh, you know, they, as we said, they're going to have to be better, and also they've got a little, little bit of a problem in size. They just don't have the size, the bulk, to take on these big boys from South Africa, from England, New Zealand. So it's a real issue because, I mean, the great thing at the, at the Football World Cup is that there can be these huge upsets. There can be these huge surprises. And it's the wonderful romance of the tournament. And it's something that I think both rugby and cricket are still struggling with. Um, quick question from me as well before we go to the news at uh, 4 o'clock. We're going to break at the top of the hour. We'll come back with more live sports straight after that. Interesting to see that we've got the biggest event in world rugby at the moment, the Rugby World Cup, and yet there's action in the Premiership back in the Northern Hemisphere as well ongoing at the moment. The, the Premiership Rugby Cup, for, for listeners out there, um, a huge amount of interest in that at this time of year? <laughs> Listen, it's a bit crazy. At least they've held back. What a goal. I'll let Chris McCarty describe oh. that one. Wow. Harry Kane. We've got a goal. I tell you what, this is a knife through butter. This is Spurs at their very, very best. Eric Lamela, I think it is, that starts this with a sensational through ball. We watch it, it is Lamela. It's a run from Sun. He is straight through the heart of the Leicester defence. A lovely little Cruyff, little oh, back wow. heel into the path of Harry Kane. Harry Kane, the balance that he shows to stay on his feet. The Spurs skipper, left foot, right foot, that takes him past Johnny Evans. He's actually falling on the ground, for goodness sake. Kasper Schmeichel looks to close down the angle. It's a wonderful finish from Harry Kane. It's everything that you expect from the England number nine. I kid you not, he is on the ground. He has stumbled, he has fallen to the ground, and somehow he gets his right foot just to lift the ball over Kasper Schmeichel. It starts with Lamela, it's the ingenuity of Sun, and it's the sheer finishing prowess of Harry Kane. That is as good a goal as you'll see all weekend. You need to it's get to Leicester it. Nail Spurs one. You need to get to a television to see that. You need to see a replay of that. That was an absolutely extraordinary goal. What a goal. What a finish. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.